Chase, and today we've got Sreyas and special guest Topher back again. Uh, Jake and Sam are not able to make it. You guys probably know Topher if you listen to our previous episode. Topher knows ball. He's a lifelong, lifelong Buffs fan like the rest of us, so we're happy to have him on today. With that being said, this is probably going to be a little bit of a quicker episode. We're just going to kind of talk about all the crazy transfer news that's been going on in and out. Um, frankly, pretty wild, I would say, guys. What are your thoughts? We've turned our we've turned our program around in transport. Like when Deion Sanders says, "When you see the list of people coming in, you'll understand." And you know, it's the picture starting to come into focus a little bit, and you can really see. Okay, he's not just talking out of his ass. He's actually getting guys lined up. Um, and you, you know, you hear the things of you know things that were talked about, and he told guys to get in the transfer portal. It's a numbers game, right? Like he he said, I need this many linebackers, I need this many DBs, I need this many O line, and if you aren't one of those guys that I'm trying to bring in, I need you to hit the transfer portal so I can open up that scholarship for someone that is going to come in for that. Um, so trust in Dion. That's all I got to say. It's incredible. Yeah, the 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 influx of talent and want, right? That's the other thing. So. The guys that we're bringing in from group of five, I know Houston is now a power five. They're in the big 12 now, but historically group of five, South Florida, right? That's in the American. And of course the Jackson state folks bringing in just dogs from, from that side. But what I really like is we're bringing in all these power five guys who probably have a big chip on their shoulder who were either highly recruited by top programs and then just sat for a while or they played like Savelle Smalls and maybe struggled in their time, or maybe they weren't utilized in the way that they imagined and they have something to prove, right? That is the perfect kind of attitude that you want. And all these guys are going to come in. They're going to be competitive, right? They're not just guys that are assuming that I'm just going to be the guy and I don't need to work. These are, these are guys who have something to prove, right? They're extremely touted out of high school and sat for top programs that taught them how to win. So I, my expectations have already been blown away by everything, but by the talent that we've brought in, I know that there's, there's always some thought like, Oh, you know, what if, what about these guys that USC is getting USC's average transfer rating stars are probably higher, you know, but in terms of completely flipping the script on the roster, what we have now is, very clearly a upgrade um and you could probably make a case that this is just a completely brand new team an unrecognizably new team absolutely and i want to take a moment so alton mccaskill was the big one that just recently dropped that's you know frankly in my opinion that's the most exciting transfer i think we've had or at least it's, i mean certainly one of them other than obviously travis and and shador who we've known about for a long time but the castle coming in comes into a running back room that was already pretty deep but he's in my opinion definitely going to be the number one guy just right out the gate he's got experience he was the aac rookie of the year at houston before tearing that acl you know guys don't always necessarily come back from an acl tear 100%, but I'm pretty confident he's going to come out and he's going to just absolutely dominate this level. It's super exciting. I know I was guilty of saying a few times that I was a little disappointed by some of our, not, not disappointed, but a little bit let down by all the, the hype that would happen around recruiting and not really see anything. But um, Alton McCaskill is, is definitely one of those guys I was really um, hoping that we would get. The other one is, um, you know, Savelle Smalls is one of those guys that is the ceiling is just so high 
he didn't really pan out necessarily as well as people would expect him to at Washington early on, but that might just be a wrong fit, wrong program sort of thing. And he's definitely got the goods. So those two are the ones that are really exciting to me. You know, what are the ones that have kind of stuck out to you and, and what are your thoughts on them? Yeah. Uh, those two, obviously, um, you know, are top of the list, the, the most exciting. Um, but I think it was touched on a little bit last week about basically we have the Florida state defense coming to play defense for us. Um, uh, I did the I did some film review. I went and looked at their highlight tapes. I looked at their huddle, um, trying to get a feel for what we're getting um, out of this, these Florida State guys. I mean, these these are guys that didn't play a lot um, outside of uh, Brendan Grant, uh, Brendan Gatt. Um, uh, they, they didn't play a lot at Florida State, so that's part of why they were in the transfer portal. But based on their high school tape, like the, these are dogs, right? So um, the ones that we have here, Travis J. He's a he's defensive back. Um, his entire highlight is just him being a ball hawk. He has such a sense for the ball. Balls in the air. He can he can peel off a man and go and get it. Um, he had a couple where he's playing zone, comes across into the zone and uh, plays a tip drill and gets it to himself. Um, that is a phenomenal athlete play, um, and that's something that I, I don't think we've really had on the Buffs defense for a long time. I mean, Nico Reed had a couple of picks last season but we've been starved at that position um you think about having uh Cormani and Travis Hunter um and then Travis Jay back there as um in a dime package that it's going to be tough to throw on us um Bishop, Bishop Thomas he's a defensive line his uh, his tape is a little bit shorter but what I've saw on that is he's phenomenal at run pursuit defense he gets down the line quick and he's um a very very good run stopper he's definitely going to be an interior D lineman he's great um great at standing his guy up and just having a two gap, um, type of, um, technique. Um, and you know, with all the D line and how that looked on the spring game, I'm pretty excited for that addition as well. Omarion Cooper. Um, I, he's an all around package. Um, I, he's great speed, great Spence, great defensive schemes, not as much of a ball Hawk, but he's definitely a better tackler than what Travis J kind of brings into it. So I see him being more of a star position as far as the DB is concerned. And he has a little bit bigger frame to be able to uh, play that position. Um, Brendan Gant, he's the one that we're very excited. He's the grad transfer from FSU. He did get some snaps there and um, he could play linebacker or safety. And of the Florida state guys, I think he's probably the best tackler that we got out of that group. Um, if he gets his hands on you, you're, you're going to be going down. Um, he reminds me a lot of Nate Landman um, in the way that he's able to bring guys down and just be very sure once he gets his hands on you. Um, I see him probably playing more of that linebacker position rather than safety, just because I think our safety is, we just have so much depth there and we need some, a little bit more linebacker. Not a bad thing to have though, right? In the Pac-12 where you've got so much speed at wide receiver and oftentimes linebackers are being asked to cover, It's especially in the middle of the field. So that'll be a nice fit as far as, I think a, a good conference for him to be playing that defense. Absolutely. Um, back to the Anto, uh, the McCaskill uh, pickup. Uh, being Pac-12 being the reputation of being an air raid type of conference, I, I think McCaskill is going to run for a bazillion and a half yards. Um, I I expect him to have a really big season, even coming off of an ACL tear. Yeah, especially in that Sean Lewis offense, right? The whole mm -hmm. Sean Lewis offense is geared towards speed, and now we have a game-breaking running back to go along with all of the game-breaking wide receivers that we pulled in. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me recently was that Xavier Weaver workout tape where he was doing the workouts – on the hill, on the side of the hill, and 
just his his burst of acceleration was mind-boggling. I, I didn't think it was possible for someone to accelerate up a hill like that. And the, the funny thing is, when 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 Coach Prime actually retweeted that, the funny thing is, he immediately pointed out, "Hey, you got to keep your hands next to you." And that was one of the most mind-boggling things to me about that is the fact that he is such. Our, our, our head coach has such a feel and understanding of the intimate details of how, what it takes to be not only a good wide receiver, but especially be a shut down corner. Anyone, any high school player should have seen that and said, I need to get coached by this guy. He knows all the subtleties. Right. And so that was both sides of it, right. Knowing that our wide receivers have that kind of burst and talent, as uh, Xavier Weaver displayed there and Jimmy Horn Jr. was displaying during spring ball. But then they're also going to get coached on what DBs, like what a good DB is going to look for and how to beat them. That is super, super exciting. Our skill positions are are looking really good. And I get that the whole conference is probably up now. So that could be a bit of a challenge, of course. Maybe the the overall talent is so much higher that we're just going to be cannibalizing on each other, except – I mean, Pac-12 always does that, but now it's going to be good teams cannibalizing on each other. But I'm really excited overall to see that that skilled talent and that that just the, the knowledge of our coaching staff. It's very, very exciting. 100%. I think just a couple other guys, not just skilled players coming in either. We just had the announcement of Reggie Young coming in um, out of Liberty. I think he's got great size, six foot four, uh, 275 could probably put on a little bit of weight, but he's going to fit in really well with Sean Lewis. I mean, that's Sean Lewis's kind of guy, right? Like that's what he was running um, in his, in his previous offense. So that's really exciting. I think he's a perfect fit as far as what they're trying to do with this team, as far as run and gun move down the field, you know, you're not trying to just beat people to death in the, in the trenches necessarily, but it's, it's more of a spread, you know, rah, rah offense. And then, I, I don't know. Maybe this was one of the most satisfying ones for me. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are, but Arden Walker is a classic example of, he went to Cherry Creek high school. One of those kids that Colorado absolutely has to be keeping home. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's, you know, I don't know if that's prime's uh, MO necessarily, but in my opinion, it's always best to keep the best Colorado talent in state if we want them. And so Arden Walker, when he went to Mizzou, I, I, you know, I still remember that when he, when he committed back then, I, I think it was 2021 and that one hurt. And so to see those kinds of guys coming back, um, he's an edge uh, off, you know, D end for the line coming in out of Mizzou. So he was one of those guys that didn't necessarily have a ton of film or anything like that, but nice to see the Colorado guys coming home. It's not just, you know, people in the South that are, are taking notice, but even some kids that should have stayed home um, that are coming back. So that one, I don't know, you know, even if he never plays, it's just vindicating to see some, some local talent coming back. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. It is it is incredible to see out of all of these transfers, though, that's the lone Colorado returner. So the footprint, and I know I know this is a, a whole other rabbit hole of of what we could be discussing here, but the footprint that we're recruiting in now is more reminiscent of an ACC or an SEC school than it is of a Pac-12 or even a Big 12 school. And I get that the Big 12 now includes teams like like central florida and <laughs> frankly this looks like a central florida recruiting class except that the top end of it might even be the type of talent that even usf or ucf doesn't get anymore um or maybe never did because I, I know they've had some good years they've had some good seasons over the years but 
gosh, we're getting these former four-star, former five-star guys coming in with a chip on their shoulder from the South. It's just, it's just crazy. Who are we now? It's hard to, it's hard to even recognize who this program is. And that's, that is a very, very good thing because everyone knows that we needed a makeover and we needed a rebrand and we're certainly getting that. Definitely. The players are too, right? You know, you've got guys that weren't weren't playing for whatever reason that had all that talent. You know, the football team and the players are kind of in a similar position where they're looking for a, a new opportunity to, to reinvent themselves. So, you know, we, we've talked about this a hundred times. It's definitely an experiment. Who knows as far as, you know, what the future is going to look like. But I think my expectations are that we're going to be a better football team next year, that we're going to have guys that actually look hungry on the field. I think everyone that we just talked about are guys that have – really high ceilings and you know certainly not all of them are going to pan out but a lot of them might and that's going to be pretty scary and a lot of new talent so any last thoughts Dover? uh well because you brought up arden walker i'm actively watching his highlights right now he is relentless when he is pursuing the football holy moly that is a big man running very fast um you know, being that Cherry Creek is just down the road from where Chase and I graduated high school, and we even played Cherry Creek in high school, the fact that someone that good could have shared the same field with us is a little bit rattly watching his tape, I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm very excited to see that because, like like we said in the spring game in that uh, episode that I was guest starting, we desperately need pass rushers, um, and this man fits that bill. This is a total side note, but we all went to D.C., didn't we? Yep, all three of us are all three of high school dads, so this is a, a little shout-out. Yeah, <laughs> Those County may never put out a, a division one or even division two prospect in football ever <laughs> again, but um, you know, definitely here on the podcast. So with that being said, um, I think we'll go ahead and transition. So the other thing that's been kind of a hot topic lately, and my guess is that we're going to have some opposing views on this is with the new tickets coming out um, for season ticket holders to be able to purchase. There's been a lot of hot talk on Twitter about whether or not, Fans should be purchasing them if they're not planning on selling to other CU fans, whether selling them on StubHub is appropriate. A lot of really strong opinions. My guess is that the vast majority of our audience is going to feel very strongly one way or another. But what are your thoughts, guys, as far as you support the team through the thick and thin? You finally got reward with season tickets. You know, you buy some extra tickets, flip them. Um, You know, for, for perspective, I think my entire we're all young alumni. So I think my entire season ticket package was. Uh, my guess was less than $400, $500 for both tickets. So the fact that you could turn around and sell a single Nebraska ticket for almost the entire cost of that seems to be quite alluring as you see more and more of these people posting these tickets online. So, you know, first thoughts, Reyes, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I don't know everyone's financial circumstances. So I don't want to make any assumptions about that, right? So financial circumstances aside, right? Because acknowledging that it is an amazing money-making opportunity for a lot of people who are probably just recent graduates and see the, see the possibility of selling thousands of dollars worth of tickets to some desperate bug eaters from out East. (laughs) But, but come on, if you stuck it through some of the just devastatingly bad seasons that we have, and if you're a season ticket holder, chances are that you renewed through Carl Durrell, right? And and maybe the first year of Carl Durrell where no one was allowed at the stadium was, was fun, right? In the COVID year, we're just watching on TV, the, the a team that went to the Alamo Bowl and got killed by Texas. Maybe that was fun, but we weren't there. But 
a lot of us chose to renew to 2021 because, well, it was nice to have football back, right? So maybe maybe that season you get a free pass. But we saw what happened over the offseason after 2021. We saw all of our stud players, Christian Gonzalez, Brandon Rice, Makai Blackman, Mark Perry, Jared Broussard. Uh, you're just giving go, me PTSD, dude. Seriously, just go <laughs> up and down the list. Like, we lost all of our best talent. Our roster got gutted. Just gutted. And so, going into 2022, if you renewed going into that season, Topher, you might remember. I remember we had this conversation before the TCU game last year about how many I, – I, I was predicting zero wins even before the season. And that was not a – that was not just me being down. I was, that was me being serious. Like that knowing what we lost and knowing what we even had, we were lucky to win four games in 2021. That team was very lucky to win four games. So given, given what we lost and what we already had, it was just brutal. If you were renewing season ticket holder through that, and now you have this exciting opportunity, prime's first game to get the fan base riled up. You'd better be, you better have your head more, in terms of the lifelong experiences that you're having than just making a quick buck. Seriously, don't do it guys. It doesn't make sense. Like if you actually are lucky enough to get season tickets, why would you, why would you do that? And again, I don't want to make assumptions about people's financial circumstances or whatever, but dude, if you renewed through 2022, that horrible season, what are you thinking? Don't sell, don't, don't do it. If you're going to give it, give like sell it to another buffs fan, like, through just direct transfer don't go don't give them an opportunity because we saw don't let nebraska fans fill the right 2019 what well, is seeing how much red was in Folsom made me sick made me sick but also was awesome to all you know rush the field and then flip them off in the middle of the field as after we beat them that's the flip side right <laughs> the flip side is we know that those those people are going to find a way in because they have nothing else going on in their lives right that's they literally don't have anything else to do other than worry about their horrible football team. And that's their, I mean, I get that we're, we were worse. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, you know, cast that aside. Sue's obviously had a worse run than Nebraska, but that is their entire existence is Nebraska football. That is their entire existence. So they will pay whatever premium they need to, to go to whatever stadium, every single big 12 or big 10 and former big 12 fan base understands what those, what that fan base does. You know, I think that there is whenever they play Northwestern and it's not in Ireland and they lose to a one win Northwestern team. But when they actually go to Northwestern and play them, it's just completely red that the whole stadium is Nebraska. And well, it's because Nebraska fans move away from Nebraska. Everyone, everyone would want to move away from Nebraska. That's what I'm saying. So we know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen if we give them an opportunity and. On, on, on the flip side, like you pointed out, it is very sweet. It's like one of those, it's like a road win almost if you beat him like in 2019. It's just very sweet. But at the same time, it's frustrating. And it, it's going to be Prime's debut. It's going to be on Prime time. <laughs> no pun intended. It's going to be on Prime time for sure. It's going to be one of the college most game day. games. It's, so, the hot, it's the hottest ticket in college football. It's the hottest ticket about, in college football. Think about how bad that both of those teams were in 2019. And it still had amongst the highest ratings of that entire weekend. So take that and take it to the next level. You got two programs that are on the, are think of themselves as being on the up. You got two programs with brand new coaches. 
you got two programs that that hate each other and have been talking smack to each other nonstop, especially Matt Rule has been saying all sorts of like subtweets and all sorts of you know subliminal messaging during his during his press conferences about Prime. So why God, it's gonna be hype. And it would be so so sweet if there was just that corner of red and then just a sea of black and gold otherwise. Uh, All right. So really let, me, let me be a little inflammatory here. Now that we've gotten the, <laughs> uh, now that we've gotten the party lines out, there, there's a few things I think we need to consider. One, if we don't sell any tickets to Nebraska fans, Jake's wife is not going to be able to go to the game. And I would never want to do that to our co-host, Jake. The other component I think we have to consider is we all, all, th- all three of us that are on tonight recording, and actually, uh, at least Sam, I don't know if Jake went with us, went out to Nebraska. It's actually where I took the LSAT for law school was in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> and when we went, I think we paid out the nose for, I know we paid out the nose for tickets. It wasn't quite as 275 much. 275 a ticket. 275 least, yeah. a ticket. And so we were able to get our tickets and we were able to go. And what I, what I remember more, more than almost anything other than winning, obviously, and being an absolute dickhead on the way out of the stadium (laughs) was that we talked to that couple. So Nebraska fans are always, they pride themselves on how nice they are. And while they are absolutely rancid and awful on Twitter, they are actually in in my experience. And I, I believe you guys would agree with me. We're actually quite nice at the game to us, or at least for the vast majority of them. And I distinctly remember the, the elderly couple behind us telling us, that they would never go to a game in Boulder again because they did not want to be subjected to what they called piss balloons, where students were <laughs> peeing, in, peeing in balloons and throwing them around at the Nebraska fans. And so my, I guess my long drawn out argument is that we cannot reintroduce the new Nebraska fan generation to the absolute horrific treatment that is Folsom Field if we don't sell our tickets online. So I'm not saying, I, you know, I'm just not going to villainize you. I understand why you would want to secure the bag I think, frankly, some tickets are going to get sold. I know that at least some of us have some extra tickets. So if you guys are listeners and you want to buy them, we'll sell them to you at cost. If you email us at, you know, first people to email us at fulsomefrenzypodcast at gmail.com. We'll see if we if we still have some extra tickets, we'll sell them to you at cost to keep them with Buffs fans. But in general, I got to say that, you know, I don't, I think people are being a little overly dramatic. I think, and I'm calling it right now, even if there was no restrictions on selling CU tickets, I think it's going to be 75 to 80% Colorado fans this year, because that's how excited people are in Colorado. And they're just not going to sell their tickets. And I think some people are going to sell them. I think it's going to be more than any other game this season, but you know, between this game and then the Colorado state game, I would rather keep Colorado state out than Nebraska, because I want Nebraska fans to remember why they hate Colorado so much and why they had to run away from the big 12 after we killed their program. So I, that, that's my thoughts. I understand why everyone's really angry about it. I think people are, you know, it, it's like watching a civil war where brothers turning against brother, where CU fans are fighting with each other on Twitter and forgetting the common enemy. And we just have to remember to be absolute heads to the Nebraska fans <laughs> when they get to Boulder, Colorado, because they're going to come one way or another. It's actually a great argument. I'm not going to lie to you. That that actually is a really good argument. There's a little bit of merit. There's a little bit of merit. I think one of my one of my growing up memories. I went to a Nebraska game when I was really young, and we won. And I remember walking out of the stadium and seeing like uh, a mosh pit of students flipping a car with a Nebraska license plate. <laughs> and I was like, Something "What we are we doing? We, for? we won. Why are we flipping? All right. Well, and like that just that's a core memory for me that I know no matter what." We hate Nebraska. Win or lose, we still hate Nebraska. Now, when I look at this, right, 
I am more on the side of as a season ticket holder, I'm going to get as many season tickets, uh, many as many additional tickets to the Nebraska game and get them into Buffs fans' hands as possible, right? And I know my network well enough that, like, I buy six tickets, I could have six tickets sold in 15 minutes. I know enough Buffs fans that are willing to pay those premiums. Like, maybe not as much as they're selling on StubHub, but I can avoid those fees and still be able to turn a profit on my tickets. So, right. I think season ticket holders should be getting those tickets. And if you want to flip them, like I get it, I get it. It's so easy. Maybe like you get six, flip two, get the other four into bus fans. Right. So we still keep that ratio. We introduce a little bit. We have that nice moderation so we can uh, treat those Nebraska fans the way shit they should be treated in Folsom, but you're also getting more bus fans in there and we just protect Folsom as best we can. That is, that is where I stand. And that's, that's what I plan to do with my tickets. And one other component I just quickly wanted to talk about was I, I'm really glad that CU has wised up. In the past, I, I'm pretty sure even two years ago when Nebraska came, you were able to buy extra tickets for almost basically the same price that they always are. And so Colorado- 55, this is, 55 yeah, bucks a ticket. 55 bucks a ticket. And then they would go for like 400. So you would flip them immediately. I'm I'm proud of the athletic department for, fi- you know, this is like so simple, but considering, you know, there's been so many disasters in that athletic department in the past, you know, 15 years that I'm glad that they finally figured out that, hey, you know, we, the athletic department should be eating most of this profit on these high value tickets. And so raising the price, I think we got them at 210 a ticket or something like that after fees. And so, you know, it's it's nice to see that the athletic department's at least capitalizing on what are going to be a lot of big games. I think they're also, uh, they rose the price on, the uh, Colorado state game as well. So it's nice to see that they're doing some dynamic pricing. I know that sucks for some fans, but frankly, if you're able to get a CU ticket to Nebraska, you don't have season tickets. You're getting, picking up a ticket for two ten. That's way less than what you were probably expecting to pay for it on the uh, secondary market anyway. So it's nice Without to see that, doubt. you know, people that were originally maybe going to flip it just for a huge profit are not able to quite get as much money as they otherwise would have. And that the athletic department's at least pocketing that money to help pay for coach prime's hopeful soon extension. Um, and don't years. forget all the buyouts got plenty of bias to pay for exactly yeah yeah um, i've already forgotten carl durell is a, a faint memory in my head at this point yeah might as well not exist good for you i'm, I'm happy for <laughs> you <laughs> i i'm still traumatized right yeah, i guess extremely. that's the difference from being a uh, season ticket holder during the 2022 season and going to law score during the 2022 season <laughs> You had good priorities, Chase. You made you made us you made a smart decision. Yeah. Well, what was less painful than uh, watching Colorado football? A law school, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ooh, wow. Uh, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Actually, I so, know about that, Treyas. I know about that. <laughs> it was it was bad. It was last season was awful in in every way. It seems like this always. It's it's hard to not talk about it in every podcast episode. 2022 always has to come up because it was just so bad. We went into that season with no hope, right? That's not often. You know, hope springs eternal. Every year you start anew and you always think that something great is going to happen. And 2022 was never the case. That was, was we are awful. And we're the first snap to the final whistle. Nothing good. I want to point out, I still had hope. Because I bet Colorado Moneyline every game last season. And it no, you did not. almost <laughs> broke even because of the Cal game on its own. So <laughs> all I'm saying is I was rewarded for my belief. I think I was only down about two units. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't a total loss. Well, it was a total loss of the season. But that, that Cal game at least put me at least a little bit back. You might need um, a lobotomy. 
(laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, not enough to fund a lobotomy quite, but uh, so with that being said, the last topic we wanted to talk about today, this will be a quick one, but I'm just curious what everyone's thoughts are. The ACC recently, there was a a big announcement. So obviously with all the the Pac-12 drama that's been going on for a while, the ACC was kind of expected to be the conference that had to stick together because they had a really long guaranteed media rights deal. And the new news is that it, it was what six or seven teams in the ACC have decided that they're too good for the ACC and are, are talking about an early buyout of you know, getting out of the guarantee of rights. The schools that you would expect um, to see, and then NC State somehow snuck their way in there um, as well. But you know, the big brands, Florida State in particular, Clemson, um, University of Northern or uh, North Carolina, Virginia, were all very eager to get out Virginia Tech as well. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, is if that conference blows up, my big concern here, and who knows, it, it sounds like there's a possibility that they might renegotiate so that the successful teams, i.e. Clemson, Florida State, would receive a bigger payout, and that might, you know, keep the ACC afloat. But I think the implication here that is a little bit interesting for the purposes of our podcast is if the ACC does blow up, the Big 12 is going to have kind of the last scraps of whatever happens at the ACC, and that might kind of really, really dramatically hurt Colorado's negotiating leverage as far as getting out of the big 12. I think as of right now, if Colorado said they wanted to be in the big 12 tomorrow, they could go no problem. Um, Big 12 would love to have us. But my concern is that, you know, there's only so many spots before you're feeding too many mouths. So is that something you guys are concerned about? Do you guys think that there's any implications here? Do you think it's just kind of another non-news conference realignment, slow off season story? Everything about conference realignment is concerning and it would have been orders of magnitude more concerning if we didn't completely change our trajectory overnight a few months ago, right? That's the big thing from the overall perspective of where things are headed. Yeah. In the event, in the likely event, let's be honest that prime leaves us in a few years, then we'll be right back to being concerned about our future. So that's where a lot of this, a lot of this movement is, is highly interesting and, and watching these conferences with, programs that have had a lot of success over the last 10 years, right? People forget Florida state won a national championship 10 years ago and Clemson's had a lot of success. And despite the rest of the conference, not having equivalent success, those programs have been able to be bellwethers for the conference. Pac-12 hasn't had anything of that nature, right? I think Oregon made it to the playoff, lost to Florida state. Uh, Washington made it to the playoff. And then Washington made it and got killed by Alabama, right? I, I might have misremembered that. I, I don't remember who beat um, Oregon anymore, actually. I think I think they made it to a national championship, lost to Ohio yeah. State, actually. Yeah, Oregon got killed in national champ. They were wearing that those green uniforms. I remember that because I was like, those yeah. are ugly as hell. But, but the Pac-12 has not had has not had a quality representative in the playoff, and frankly, neither has the Big 12. Oklahoma has not made it to a national championship game in the playoff era, and TCU made it last year, and we all know what happened, 65 to 7. So given given the circumstances and, and given that there's a big shift of money in the big in the Big Ten now from out west, because whether or not you believe USC and UCLA are have been quality programs in recent years, they have almost infinite cash and they've been using it, especially USC. I think once USC realized that they could use their money to buy their way back to prominence, they decided to do it. And it's hard to fault them for doing that. But where does that leave the CUs and the Utahs and the Arizonas and the Arizona States and the Oregon States and the Washington States, right? 
we know that Stanford and Cal could probably buy their way in because they have so much money. It remains to be seen whether they actually want to or whether they'll just go FCS and go to the Ivy League. So who knows how that's all going to pan out. It, it seems like with, with their cash that they would probably want to step up too. So, so all things considered, it's very concerning. I really hope that the outcome out of all of this is a third super conference that because CU has plowed their way back into relevance, they've clawed their way back into relevance with the extremely ambitious hire is able to sneak its way into in time to potentially weather the storm of prime moving on to another program. Um, that's, that would be the best case scenario for me, but who knows what that's going to look like. It's hard to, it's hard to know because whatever college football is now, the power so-called power five is, is going to die. It seems inevitable. Uh, has there been any announcement on when the Pac-12 media deal will be announced? Yeah, so I was just going to cover that. So obviously this is all kind of speculation, but there's there's certainly a a, a, a growing, uh, let's, let's say, urgency as far as like this needs to kind of happen now. And I believe the most recent thing I saw was that they're looking at July and August. You've seen different reports of, you know, our media partner doesn't want to report anything because there's been layoffs, which would indicate that maybe it's a deal with ESPN. Yeah, we think it's going to be approximately what the Big 12 is getting, maybe a little bit more. The um, I think the general consensus of everything that we've seen is that it looks like San Diego State and um, SMU are more likely than not going to be additions to the Pac-12 should they get a media deal. Um, I know that there was a little bit of news about Tulane and Rice. Um, Tulane, I think, would be a fantastic addition it would show that the Pac-12 is not afraid of moving further east. They just knocked off USC in the Cotton Bowl. So, you know, some could argue that maybe they're a better football program than USC. We have relevant recent experience uh, to prove that objectively. That's all I'm saying. But um, the, the Rice one is what kills me because the Rice a Rice edition would be the most Pac-12 thing of all time to add a school that has absolutely, you know, really no impact as far as like eyeballs or, or TV deals, but because they're so good academically and so respected, like the PAC 12, I'm hoping that that was just a bunch of bogus that that was never seriously considered, but you know, Tulane would be an interesting ad. It sounds like SMU and San Diego state are a done deal as, as long as they get a TV deal worked out, but it's hard to tell because there's been so much misinformation. You know, the Washington state president seems to be putting out misinformation maybe on purpose because you know, if not for the Pac-12, Washington State's probably looking at a relegation back down to uh, the Mountain West or something along those lines. So it's really, really interesting. What I've been reading is that, you know, it could be any day now, it could be as late as August, but Pac-12 really needs to do something because this is, you know, this is now, you know, Larry Scott announced the first big major TV contract when he was a new commissioner. It was a big deal. And Pac-12 was on the forefront of that. And ever since then, the Pac-12 has perpetually been kind of the last one in line. So you know, they need to do something and need to be aggressive or Colorado needs to seriously start thinking about trying to get to greener weather or, you know, greener pastures before things start to slide south, because we don't want to be stuck on the outside looking in. I think the Colorado brand is really strong. I think the Colorado media market is is compelling compared to, you know, some of these other schools. But you also have to remember that, like I mentioned earlier, there's only so many mouths that can be fed out of like a big 12 conference, right? Because I just don't think we're in a spot where we would, you know, I, I know Jake wants to believe, but we're just not in a spot where we would be considered by the Big Ten yeah. or the SEC. So, you know, Big 12 is kind of our only other option unless the Pac-12 is where we stay. But if the Big 12 keeps picking up teams and adding teams, and if the ACC teams start going to the Big 12, you know, I, I'm concerned that we're going to be a 12-team conference and it's going to be, you know, Big Ten SEC kind of up top and then the Big 12 and then 20 miles of shit. 
and then, you know, the Pac-12. So, um, you know, hopefully that's not what happens, but it definitely something to keep an eye on for Buffs fans. I just wanted to bring it up quickly. Um, any final thoughts on that? It is funny that you point out Rice. I totally agree with you. There's actually a historical context to Rice. I don't know if you guys have ever read this or seen it, but when JFK in 1962 announced that we were going to go do the moon mission and put, put a, put, you know, astronauts onto the moon. He literally said, why does rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. That is how low that football program is viewed. (laughs) It was literally used as an example in the quote that JFK gave about why we should try to do impossible things like go to the moon. Yeah, I, uh, we should not be bringing them into the Pac-12. I'm sorry, <laughs> we should not be bringing them to the Pac-12. That's that. That would be a death knell to the conference for sure. That would be that would be it. You know, Tulane. Tulane is so both those schools are incredibly good academic schools, right? Until Tulane had that magical season last year, they were an also ran program for decades too. They they were CU 2022. They're. You have to remember, though, Tulane is an ex-SEC member, so, you know, it's hey, possible like that they years can, ago. They, they, I am just saying they're an ex-SEC member, so they could uh, restore their way to greatness. I just think it's interesting, you know, Pac-12 is looking to add, obviously, by waiting until after the Big 12 had already added, and part of that's because USC and UCLA kind of screwed us on their way out. You know, we didn't get to have the pick of Houston or, you know, some of those better schools that would have been a nicer fit. Um, you know, obviously, the the absolute inversion by the presidents towards a religious school like uh, BYU hurt us as well. But, you know, we, we really don't get to dictate terms at this point, as far as the PAC 12 conference goes. And so it's unfortunate that we kind of hitched our wagon to the wrong team. Um, it looks like historically, but with the expanded playoff and all that kind of stuff, who knows, it was just one of those things with the, with the ACC facing some uncertainty as well, that Colorado might be wise to kind of, you know, get moving sooner rather than later. But yeah, agreed. Third, third Rick George, if you're listening to this, you know, um, we think we should move. Yep, Rick, Rick George was always listening to our podcasts for sure. You know, I do have I do have faith in Rick after uh, after what he pulled off. So I'm more in the same wait and see mode that we all probably should have been after we saw some of those mass transfers after the spring game. Right? We're in good Absolutely. hands. We're we're in a lot better hands than I think that we gave ourselves credit for. Well, rightfully so after all the struggling, right? But there's there's reason for hope here, and I'm. Given everything that's happening, I'm just going to choose to be optimistic nonstop. How about that? For once. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sweet, sweet note to end on. So with that being said, thank you everyone for listening. If you guys could give us a, a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you guys could su- subscribe to YouTube, give us a follow on Instagram, anything like that. So we, we really appreciate the support. We'll be trying to do a few more episodes more frequently as we get closer into the season starting but for the off season if you guys have anything you want us to talk about shoot us an email if anyone's looking for tickets like we said shoot us an email we might have a couple extras that we'd love to get in the buffs hands Um, with that being said thank you guys for listening and we'll be back soon